Hey everybody and welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast. My name is Aid, and you are listening to show 109 this week. 109 and what a cracking show we have for you today. Uh, first of all though I would like to say hello to my marvellous co-host Rach. How are you doing? Oh hi Aid. I'm good. Um, it's actually cooled down a little bit in Liverpool. We finally have some rain. We've opened up all the windows so we can hear it pouring down outside which is great. Um, so I have a cup of tea in, in hand um, which is always lovely. So um, it's feeling slightly more pleasant than it has been than it had been of late. It got a bit too bit too hot for me to be fair. So uh, yeah feeling much better. Okay glad to hear it glad to hear it and and my other delightful and marvelous co-host graham how are you doing buddy you, that was less convincing when you said it about me i'm doing very well thank you Aid. i i, I was I've tempted to leave a pause after the first one and see which way the <laughs> listeners would go <laughs> um i've actually managed to get out with the camera a couple of times this week so that's been super nice and i had in the post today something um a reasonably exciting turn up my jolly look camera turned up which i will i know <laughs> sorry i realized that was wow. a really loud gasp actually that was a genuine gasp that wasn't put on um i'm very excited to hear about that sorry guys. i will yeah i will i will talk about it in brief a bit later but i want to get to our guests because as we teased last week, we have got a couple of guests this week. Uh, the first guest is a returning favourite, um, the gentleman behind, oh, or certainly one of the gentlemen, and the key founder behind Analog Wonderland, that Emporium of Film. It's Paul Mackay. Paul, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. It's lovely to be here. Uh, and as I was saying to Rachel before it started, it was a prerequisite that she was here rather than you two this time. <laughs> <laughs> um, something well, must have got confused and you've all turned up but that's okay we'll, we'll plug on regardless i, I, don't, I don't know whether to be offended or think that's just quite astute <laughs> <laughs> well in all fairness paul it was also a prerequisite that the only way we would let you back on is if you brought somebody super cool and interesting <laughs> with you and so joining us from kodak alaris we're delighted to have with us andy church andy welcome to the show Hello to everyone. Um, yeah, not sure what Paul's doing on the call in, really. But um, <laughs> Honestly, neither am I, but, you know, excess baggage. But we'll, we'll bear up. Now, as I said to you before we started the show, you, you've got a bit of a job ahead of you because you're the first person we've had from, well, from Kodak full stop, but from Kodak Alaris, certainly. So you've got to do the origin story job for us here a bit. And what I would love for you to explain uh, to me and to many of the other listeners who might not fully understand kind of how the relationship breaks down, what is Kodak Alaris and, and how does it fit in within the kind of Kodak family and, and when did it appear? Mm, okay, so it's quite a long story, so I hope you're sitting comfortably. Um, so I originally started working for Eastman Kodak um, 29 years ago. Um, and ticked along quite happily for many years um, till we got to 2012 and then Eastman Kodak the original Kodak company went to something into something called chapter 11 which is bankruptcy protection in America and um, they couldn't be released from bankruptcy protection until they had cleared all their big debts that they had for different companies around the world um, the largest debt and one due to UK pension law uh, with was with um, the UK pension funds. So, so it's a pension fund that had a debt of $2.8 billion. Um, the purpose of the pension fund was to look after 15,000 UK employees that paid into it and were expecting a pension from it. And um, Eastman Kodak couldn't be released from bankruptcy protection 
until that debt had been settled. Um, the way they found of doing that was to sell three strands of business to the pension fund and um, and that cleared the debt and gave them a bit of money as well to play with. Um, and then the pension funds formed a board and came up with a company called Kodak Alaris. Um, so now that company um, has rolled on to 2018. Um, there's still three strands of business. There's Kodak Moments, which features thermal printers, Kodak Alaris, which does scanning and document equipment, and then the traditional photographic business, which is paper, photochemicals and film, known as PPF. That is quite a, a, a um, turbulent history. So you've been with Kodak for 29 years. Yes, yes, man and boy. So You sound too young to have been with them for 29 thank you. years. We're getting on very well. So, yeah, so I started life at Kodak as an engineer. In fact, I originally started my working life on the London Underground as a signal engineer and was trained in electrical engineering and uh but then really realized age 21 that doing shift work on the underground is not how I wanted to live in those days and ended up getting a job at um, Kodak as an engineer. Did that for six years, then went into the R&D department at Harrow, um, liaised with manufacturing, worked with the business. Um, that evolved over many years, went through the graphic arts industry into the photographic industry probably 18 years ago now. So I've also been the worldwide, uh, sorry, the quality leader for Europe, Africa, Middle East region um, for all color negative paper manufactured at Harrow. Unfortunately, the Harrow site closed um, at the, in October 2016. So now all our papers imported from the US. Um, but I've also been the European business manager for film, paper and chemicals for three, nearly four years now for, for yeah, Europe, Africa, Middle East region. So the last three or four years, you've, I mean, I assume actually with the timing that you must be largely responsible for the resurgence in film, because I mean, this is seems to have just timed out perfectly for you. Um, how has it been then taking on this role over the last four years? Yeah, it's it's very interesting. I mean, there's always, I've, so I've always worked in an office where there was um, film, paper and chemicals, and I've worked very closely with film and on joint projects with um, the film part of the department um, over the years um, and then the, the full chance to be the quality manager for film and to manage the business and now solely managing the business uh, for such a large re region was um, really good for me. Um, the EMA region, the European region now has the, is the biggest region for Kodak uh, around the world so our, our film sales are bigger than any other region that includes North America um, so that's a, a really good positive sign for us and I guess I've been lucky because um, the film sales, um, as you know, will have declined hugely since sort of 70s, 80s, and then really into, I think the peak was really the end of the 1990s. Um, and then it's been on a, a very sharp, steady decline for, the, for all the obvious reasons that we all know about. Um, but now it's in the last two to three years, it's, it's sort of plateaued, you know, so it's not getting any, any lower. And it's, it's now starting to grow as well in the last two years. Um, so we're really sort of we can now see a future we've we've in that time rescaled our manufacturing capability um to a scale that works for the size of the volume that we need to produce uh, and that means that we can happily survive on on the sort of volumes that we're producing today and that allows us to uh, make plans for the future uh, look at what we're doing today and look at things that we could uh, would like to do in the future um and 
there's obviously been quite a lot of movement recently you're talking about things that you're doing in the future and stuff now and it's been noticeable that there have been new things coming and new things talked about from Kodak. Um, I mean, in the last week, uh, you announced that um, Kodak Pro Image 100, uh, which is a film that I think has been in existence for quite some time, but previously only available in the Asian and um, South American markets, I understand. Um, That's now coming available to Europe. Uh, Why has that film... um, why was it not available on a wider scale before, and why is it going wider now? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's, it's a fairly it's it's a, it's a good film. Uh, it's a hybrid film, so it, it's made from combined technologies. Um, so, and we did sell it in the EMA region some years ago under a different name, um, and it was designed more for the emerging markets. So, it's one that we wanted to have at a lower price, um, and so it was. Um, the film market in in Africa, where we used to sell it, um, declines quite rapidly some years back, um, and they it's very difficult to get pick that market up again because the process capability just disappears, um, and so you need a certain amount of scale to be able to sell film in a, in a region. Um, so the, the film disappeared from the European region, um, and then really what started to happen was we were selling it in as you said in South America and parts of Asia and it started turning up in Europe and photographers found it and used it and and told me that they liked it and I sort of had a fresh look at it and thought do you know what why why don't we make this film available to the photographers in Europe um there's always concerns that people stop buying other films and things like that and having a low-cost film isn't isn't necessarily a good thing if you've got a, a strong market and a on a on a more standard, higher-priced film, um, but I thought it was worth taking. A, I thought it fitted into our portfolio. I think it, it kind of gives people another option. Um, I'd encourage people to to have a play with it and see what they think of it. And uh, I think it works very well um, in the enthusiast market and certainly in the pro market. Um, so yeah, I'm pleased to better bring it back to Europe. But Could, yeah, so- sorry. I mean, could you talk a bit about the qualities of the film? Because I've never shot it, and I don't know whether any of you guys on here uh, have shot the film before. But um, could you give you know, what kind of film is it? What can people expect from it who might not have shot it before? Yeah, so it it, it's, it does fall into the the pro category, and so it's very good with flesh tones, but it's got a bit more color saturation than the portrait film has got. So um, slightly stronger colors. Um, but, a, but a very good film. So it's a slower film, so it's only at 100 speed. Um, but as long as you, you know, set your camera correctly, it will give you very good results. That's what, actually, you just brought up something which you are clearly a very good person to ask this question to, and it's something I've often wondered about, and I realise that many of the, the answers were pro film versus, um, I don't know what the other, non-pro film. Consumer, yeah. Consumer. Um, what's the difference so yeah, I think um, so. The, the key things would be the um, granularity, the sharpness. So you get a, um, a sharper, str- uh, more detailed film for the pro market. A particular focus on the, of the film emotion emotions to give a natural, pleasing flesh tone, um, but also to to capture the detail and have good densities at both ends of the film scale or the light scale. So they're really the key characteristics you look for in a pro film. Um, and then similarly with a consumer film, uh, they tend to have a bit more color saturation, certainly brighter colors, um, things that the uh, general consumer would like. 
um, but they're really the, the key differences. Can you, um, I don't actually know this because I see random things pop up, but at least in the European market, which is your baby, what is the current lineup of Kodak films that are available? Because I mean, I, I, I lose track of things a bit, especially with the consumer films, because you don't very often see them on shop floors anymore. So what is the current lineup that's available from Kodak? Yeah, so good question. So, so the the lowest cost film is Color Plus, um, and then we have a range of gold films, and then we have Ultra Film, which is a, a 400 speed film. So that's really the the um, there's different variants, different size, um, different roll formats, um, but but they're the three main products that we offer to the consumer market. Got you. Okay. So yeah, like I said it's I suppose because they they're not films that I'm naturally drawn towards. I don't see them very often and places like Boots and so on never seem to stock stuff. Um, well, another film which recently reappeared was T-Max 3200, Too Much Rejoicing. Um, now, that was, gosh, time flies. That Was was that earlier this year? That was this year, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, yeah. God, sort of March that, yeah. It feels like it was much longer ago. <laughs> that was obviously a big deal. Um, when was when was the T-Max 3200 discontinued? Oh, no, I'd have to. So I would guess, and I'm pretty sure it's about six years ago. So and in that time, um, lots of the chemicals we used to produce the emulsions in the film have been banned for environmental reasons. So mm-hmm. the redesign was became a little bit complex. Um, and we've had similar issues with other films that we're bringing back that we might discuss <laughs> later. Um, but, but that probably was one of the easier ones to bring back. Um, yeah, and it completed that sort of um, T Max um, X Y Z um, club that we used to have. So it was uh, it was a good fit to bring back. Yeah, and people w- were really pleased to see it. Um, and and also it was great the way that you released it. I mean, there was there was teasers for a week, and then the film was here. Um, was that partly informed by the with certain other films where you maybe thought mm, perhaps we shouldn't have announced this quite yet yeah and that's another story in itself so I, I think that part of the Kodak community wasn't so keen to announce it because they knew it would take so long to get to bring together and bring back to market and um, I think I'm fair in saying someone got a little bit excited and um <laughs> perhaps spoke about it when they when it's probably a little bit ahead of the game for where we would normally want people to yeah so, uh, so i would say that the ectochrome announcement was uh, a little bit earlier than scheduling than the planned schedule <laughs> um usually we like to work on things and though we can actually bring them back um but there was there was a massive desire and a huge intent to bring it back so i think we're always going to go down that road to that position it was just um um Whenever you whenever you redesign something and bring it back, it, it can take a lot longer than you ever imagined, and um, and uh, we probably were at the point where we needed to get a little bit more development work done um, before we made an announcement. So it has been a long journey. It was uh, in January 2017 when it was announced at CES in the US, and um, I think we hope to have it by the end of the year. Um, but it is now getting a lot closer. That's awesome. I want to go back to the um, T-Max mm-hmm. just for a few weeks. Um, although the announcement was very widely, very well received, there were a few questions that people asked. Um, the most notable one is, why is it only available in 35mm format? Um, and 
and I'd be really interested to know that because I know that when we went and um, chatted to the guys at Ilford, you know, they explained to us, oh, well, we make this film in a big role and then it gets cut down to size. Um, and that for when they do things like the um, ultra large format stuff uh, where they have like the, the very short runs of things, the biggest problem with that is actually packaging, not cutting things to size because, um, you know, that's they've got a machine that just cuts stuff to whatever size they want. What, is the current hurdle to um, Tmax 3200 being available in a wider range of formats? Yeah, so I think the first thing is it was good just to get it back in the 35 millimeter format. Um, and we have looked at bringing it back in 120 and we are still looking at bringing it back in 120. Um, traditionally at Kodak, um, we use a different film base for 135 and, and uh, 120 format. Um, based on stability and thickness and, and a few other characteristics. Um, there can be small issues um, in producing it in 120 format, um, but we could, as it happens, use the same film uh, manufacturing uh, grade and, and slip that into 120 format. It's, it's something that we're looking at and hopefully it's something we can bring back to market. Um, but it, there is a there is a there has traditionally been a difference in the film base that we coat on for the, the right. formats. Yeah. Cool. Well, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, you explained to me earlier that um, Kodak Eastman Kodak st is still responsible for the manufacturer of yeah, the film yeah, stocks. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so, so yeah. So when when we emerged, we phoenix from the flames from Chapter <laughs> Eleven, and we had the two two companies. Um, so the way the business was split and, and what um, Kodak Alaris, the new company, um, inherited from Eastman Kodak or purchased from Eastman Kodak was that um, we now we have the single uh, license to sell film, sell and market film around the whole world. Um, and that's still film, whereas Eastman Kodak kept the rights for the movie films and also they are the manufacturer of the films. So for whatever reason, they didn't sell the movie business or the entertainment imaging business uh, and movie films to Kodak Alaris. They, they kept that in-house. And as part of that, um, the building they used to manufacture the film stayed within Eastman Kodak. So they produced the film and they also are responsible for developing new films in alignment with um, our agreed dis um, uh, dis you know, uh, discussions. And, um, and then we sell and market the film. That must be quite. Uh, people often comment on the fact that, uh, as an organisation, Kodak can be quite slow to turn, I guess, and that has to be made harder by the fact that you've got two different companies trying to work in concert. Um, yeah, that can't be easy. I mean, you were talking about the fact that Kodak Eastman um, sell and market the movie film. Mm. Um, I mean. Has there been any discussion about making that available as a um, stills film? Because obviously you've got people like Cine Still who are already out there doing exactly that. You know, they've got a process set up where they're um, removing the remjet, repackaging it, and, and cutting it and selling it. Uh, has there been any discussion about, well, we could do this? Is this money we're leaving on the table? Yeah, I mean, it's something that we could do. Um, at the minute, there's no discussion around that happening. 
um, it, I would say that we're we're partners with a common goal, and and that does help, and it does allow us to focus on the particular task that each company has. So in some ways, I think it's actually helped us um, yeah. sort of to make the right strategic decisions. Um, there's certainly a willingness for um, Eastman and Kodak to bring back new films in in concert with Kodak Alaris. Um, what I would say is that the development community is smaller than it used to be. So things, so the, it's difficult to work on things in parallel, quite how we would have done previously or 20, 30 years ago. Um, so things, the wheels will turn, development wheels will turn a little bit more slowly than they, they would have done previously. Um, but uh, but I think it is allowing us to certainly, as you, as the, the proof is in the pudding really. I think um, the, the fact that films are starting to come back is, is really good news and, and does show that desire is just working through. Yeah. I mean, as you, uh, as somebody who is responsible for the film and imaging side of things within Kodak Alaris, um, what what is the vision that you're working towards? Because we when we, again, we talked recently to Ilford and they were explaining about the, the, the core values that they were working towards with you know, education and so on. Um, and for Alaris, the film and imaging is one part of as you was it three strands uh yeah. three quite diverse strands as well um does that make it harder to uh create a sort of a real solid vision going forward with the film in particular um no i think because i think the the three strands are very um very siloed um so that we have our own sort of um yeah business group from from top to bottom really and, and it kind of almost encourages competition between the different business units. We're certainly challenged to deliver um, and and deliver means really satisfying your customers. And once you've got satisfied customers, um, you'll, you'll get good revenue and, and everything else should, should follow. So um, I think it, it does the, the way that things are set up does bode quite well for the future. Awesome. That's very good to hear. We we touched on Ectochrome already. We've we because we'll get beaten to a bloody pulp if we don't talk about Ectochrome. Um, you said that it was announced significantly too early. Really, um, people. What what are you hearing from people? They seem to be quite excited about it. Yeah. So and tremendously so. So if ever anything comes out about Ectochrome, um, we get lots of inquiries. Uh, where are we? Is it coming out? When's it coming out? Is it ever going to come out? All those sorts of things. Why did you announce it so early? All those sorts of questions. Um, so just a little snippet or hint of something does generate a lot of interest. Um, and that's great. And I, I get sporadic emails, people every now and again saying, where are we with Ectochrome? How long is it going to be? Can you give me a timeline? All those things. And and I, I answer the questions as best I can. And um, and then they come back a month later and ask again. So, um, yeah, that's generally how it seems to work. But are you closing in at this point? Is the journey towards the end <laughs> closer <laughs> than the, the one behind us? Secret. Unfortunately, it has to remain a secret for now. But what I would say is that it, we're closer than ever. And from everything that I can see, uh, there's still development gates and little things that need to happen to be 100% sure. Um, and that's why the timeline is still slightly open. Um, but we're getting a lot closer to it being ready and in the market than we've been for, yeah, since 2012. One of the big things that people are very worried about um, is obviously not just the fact that this is, you know, it's, it's an important film because people are very concerned about Fuji's moonwalking its way out of the film industry mm -hmm. and the fact that uh, Ferrania, uh, 
it's as as you know only too well it's difficult enough process putting a film back together when you have everything in place but to actually build the factory then make the recipe then make the film was an incredible challenge and they definitely announced too early that they were making slide film by about a decade i would guess um but one of the big concerns that people who are fans of slide film are concerned about is um not just are they going to be films but what about the resources necessary to get these films processed is that something that is also being looked at in the development terms yeah, and, and that's not too complex, really. There are a number of uh, chemical suppliers that are still selling films for the E6 process. Um, so that's that's um, still widely available. Um, so, and we are also looking at having our own solution as well. So um, no pun intended there. <laughs> so either Kodak or Tetanol have got our back on this one. Yeah, absolutely. And there are other suppliers <laughs> in the market as well that um, are selling chemicals um, for E6 still. So there's um, there's a handful of people um, that can fulfill that, that part of the, the jigsaw. Awesome. Well, that's very good to hear. Um, well, we teased earlier that you were on here for a good reason with our friend Paul. Paul, are you still there or have you um, dozed off in the background? He's dozed off in the background. That's fine. Um, <laughs> he has <laughs> literally <laughs> Um, no, 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 I'm still here. I'm still oh, here. Oh, good, good, good. Somebody poked him with the reading <laughs> stick. It's interesting because you hear the, um, obviously we've all heard the Kodak stories or bits and bobs. It's just, it's just been amazing to hear it all, all through at once, so to speak, put it all together. Do you know what, Paul? Um, I get I get that a lot. I sometimes end up in listening mode and forget that I'm actually supposed to be part of the show. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, it's nice being part of this sneak preview of Thursday's episode. Yeah. <laughs> so we will, in a minute, well, we'll take a break and we'll come on to why you're here, Andy, and why Paul is here and where Ectochrome might fit into that conversation. But before we do, Aid or Rach, have either of you guys got any uh, taxing questions you'd like to ask Andy? I, I totally have a question, actually, but it's really uh, a, it's, it's a personal question about film usage. Um, uh, any chance that we could get some fast Ektar? Oh, OK. Yeah. When you say fast, what speed would you like? That was going to be my question as well. Hey, was that's it? so funny. Yeah, yeah because okay. uh, yeah, about having a faster, faster color film access would be would be amazing. Sorry, sorry to steal your thunder, H. No, so so I love Ektar and I use it a lot. Um, I, I'm going on holiday to Cornwall in about a week's time, and um, I will be that taking. Might be a challenge. Yeah, and I will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like sorry. I, I, fair point. I, 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 that that could have come across as misleading. I apologise. <laughs> but uh, what I was going to say is, uh, you know, I, 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 I shoot colour film, and, and I love Ektar. I love Portra as well, actually. But I, I do, I do love uh, some Ektar, and of course, Portra already comes in multiple speeds. So when when I say fast, I don't know. Let 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 let's give you an easy ride and say four hundred. Mm. No, at least eight hundred. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, I. I I promise you this, I've just written it down and I will have a conversation and um, I'll let you know if there's uh, any positivity or any um, if that's something we can do or not. I get lots of requests all the time, lots of requests to bring film back and that's an interesting one. It's one I haven't heard before. Oh, really? Um, really? But, but oh, I'm okay. open. Yeah, absolutely. I'm open to any, um, any suggestions and um, 
And anyone who can put us a good reasoning behind it stands the best chance, I would say. Wow, not okay. Because that, that's really going interesting. going to Cornwall for your holidays. Yeah, well, I, I don't <laughs> think it'll be ready. No, it won't be ready by then. But yeah, the, the point for me, I mean, where, when do I use Ecto? I love to use Ecto when I'm traveling. Uh, I was lucky enough to have a trip to Bhutan last year uh, uh, and I shot a bunch of it then. Um, but the it's uh, it's something like that. Any any time it's sunny. In fact, sometimes even in the winter, I love to shoot Ecto. Although, of course, in the winter, it could, I could do something a little bit faster sometimes. But it's uh, you know, I'm surprised that's I'm I'm surprised and genuinely concerned actually that that's the first you've heard of that. So, Andy, yeah, no, it is yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. What are you getting? What's the most requested thing you reckon, or the, or the most requested things? Are there, are there a few that you keep seeing going, oh, yep, yep, this one again? Yeah, I would say um, so. I, I don't want to cause any excitement, and, and <laughs> we can't promise anything because it is it's a challenge to do anything new, and, and, and sadly, you have to have the right business case as well behind it. Um, but, but the one that I, I get commented on, and I'm interested in your opinion, is, is Plus X. That's the one that um, certain communities just keep reminding me of. Yeah, I've heard. Uh, I mean, it's a film that I've never shot. And, I've and nev- no, no, I've never shot. No. But I do hear it come up a lot. I think with the people who, have, I, I suppose it's one of those things. It's p- coming up from the people who have been long-time shooters rather than um, a, a second waiver like me. Um, but yeah, I've heard Plus X come up quite a lot. I, I, you've been with the company for 29 years. What was good about Plus X? Yeah, so it, it had a yeah, its look and feel again. So it had, a, a, again, a very natural look. Um, it's a black and white film. Um, um, and it had, a, it had a little bit more grain in it than T-Max. Um, and maybe that was part of the romance about it. Um, and really what happened there is I think that T-Max came along. It was a more modern design at a finer grain, uh, slightly sharper. Um, and it was team plus X became to be seen as, or came to be seen as something that was, um, um, just sort of on the edge of the portfolio. And when, when they were looking at volumes and which one to discontinue next, when we were in a, in a constant decline, um, I think that was the, that was the reason it went at that time. But for whatever reason, people miss it. Um, they, they enjoy the look and feel that they got from it. And um, there's definitely a desire to bring it back um, from the photo- photographic community. Does the fact you were saying about the fact that your production capabilities have been rescaled to make them more appropriate to the needs of today, does that make it easier to make a use case for something which you know you're not going to be able to sell in the same kind of quantities as Ektar or Triax, but you could easily enough produce it and in a way that you wouldn't need to to make that viable? Yeah, and we still have a fairly large scale, but certainly we're in a much better position we used to be. And and as I, as I say, that that's open doors to, to doing new old things and new things. Awesome. And um, are there any things that you get requests for that you really just want to put a bullet in the face of and say, look, no, never. <laughs> and you, um, you want to lay permanently to rest. I'm you know, there's nothing that I... I wouldn't want to bring back um, within reason. So um, I would say no to that. Um, no. Some things I know will be harder than others. And um, I think the longer ago things were discontinued, the more evolution there's been in terms of design and chemicals and things like that. So I think that becomes a, um, a steeper climb and harder to do. Um, but um, so some things are probably too difficult now um, or just be too complex. Um, so I think there's some things are more favourite than others. 
Um, so, but nothing's really off the table, I would say. So, twenty twenty for Kodachrome. Ah, no, that would be tricky <laughs> because that had its own unique special process. So that that's something that's um, that I couldn't see that one coming back. Yeah, so that was a very a... special film with very special needs too. Yeah, yeah, it it does seem to that that film. I mean, again, it's another thing that I completely missed. Uh, Rach, did you ever shoot any Kodachrome? Have you ever? I... No, I never had chance, I'm afraid. No. Aid, how about you? No, sadly not. Sadly not. What about you, Paul? You're old. <laughs> uh, well, despite my great age and elderly habits, no, it is it is before my time as well. See, we we and it is I mean quite even had a film made in its honor, basically. That was you know, it it, it does feel like we've all been slightly robbed of that. Um oh, I, well. like, I like well, the song. <laughs> That's great. Well, listen, if that's too hard and you could at least maybe make up for it, if, if Kodak could take on the burden of making pack films so that, you know, that doesn't, I realise that's not in your wheelhouse, but it'd be really handy and that would be a really great way of making up for not being able to make Kodachrome. <laughs> You've not got enough to be getting on with, you know. Yeah, so. <laughs> one, one thing at a time, let's get Ectochrome out and, um, and, and breathe and see where we go from there, I think, definitely. Sounds like a good plan. Well, yeah. let's take a quick break charge our glasses and then come back and find out what you two have been colluding on uh, which i'm very excited to share with the listeners that sound good to you guys yeah perfect excellent yeah. all right quick break Okay, we couldn't really have gone into a break with more of a teaser than that. So, so Graham, are you gonna are you gonna take us forward now? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, we'll you know, we'll, we'll maintain suspense for a little bit longer. So they say, Paul, how are you? Because we haven't spoken to you yet. Oh no, I am. Um, I'm very well, thanks. It's been I think nearly two months to the day since I was last here talking about our plans and hopes and dreams for what was going to happen so we've now yeah we're now been open for coming up to eight weeks and um and couldn't be more pleased and yeah so it does seem as though things have got off to a flying start um you've got your fancy packaging your so if you've even had some new developments in the last week <laughs> yes so the one thing that was um uh yeah there, there's been two things in the last week and i think it's, it's worth spending a little bit of time on it if, if that's all right the first one being um the, the the comment that we got across that opening weekend, the only one that was sort of negative in any way, was from uh, Canadian and American film photographers who um, had got to check out before realising that we couldn't ship to North America and, and were complaining. Um, now, of course, that's uh, that's not a bad problem to have, frankly. Um, it took us a bit by surprise just how much engagement we had because none of the marketing or, or engagement we'd done before launch was... In fact, it was all deliberately UK and a little bit European. So I think people had just picked up on it and then it spread, which was nice. Um, so we spent the last couple of months trying to work out a way that we could deliver to both USA and Canada in a way that was going to be reliable. So consistent delivery, uh, successful delivery percentages and not going to break the bank for people. Um, now, I think it's fair to say that I, I don't think that things like Kodak um, will be that uh necessarily worthwhile shipping across from the UK with the current arrangement. We are looking at a distributor centre in North America, which might change that in the future. But for now, it's the, you know, the European films that people struggle to get worldwide. So Double, Revelog, Washi, Berger, 
threats, all of these ones that, that have really been clustered around the European small independent manufacturers, that's what people have been looking to pull from. So, yeah, on Friday, we, um, we, we cracked it, we released it, and we've seen great orders as people have stocked up on predominantly uh, films like the, the Double and the, and the Washing. That's also, and oh, I suppose within that, I mean, Kodak Pro Image 100? Yes, exactly. So there you go. You will have a Kodak film that people won't yeah. be able to get in the States. So. This is true. This is true. And of course, there is also, also yeah, good reasons why you would come to one shop and stock up on everything at once, which is good. And, and long may that continue. And then yeah. at the, um, you know, when we talked two months ago, we talked about the fact that one of the objectives of having Analog Wonderland was not only to provide the one-stop shop, but was also to provide the support for small independent film manufacturers and, and allow them to concentrate on the production and branding and the innovation and all the amazing stuff they were doing while taking away the pain of, of retail. And the great news is we've had our first success story there. So Yodica, um, which I think you gave a shout out actually, guys, uh, mm-hmm. last week you got an email, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Um, Yodica went live on Friday as well. Um, so that's the first sort of new brand we've had since we launched a lovely, lovely couple from Italy um, that we've been working with for the last sort of six weeks to get that off the ground. And that's had a, a cracking start as well. So those, for those who haven't looked at those films, if you like lots and lots of colour, <laughs> if you like predictably unpredictable results, then uh, this, these are the films for you. Yeah, they are very cool. And you've got a, a nice blog post about the Yodica films, because as you mentioned, this is a couple, a young couple in Italy who are making these. And I just, it's kind of adorable that, that this is where where we're getting with these kind of boutique films is now, it, you know, it, it really is small scale and they're popping up everywhere from different places. Um, and also, as I probably mentioned last week, I love the packaging on the Yodica because it is mad 80s. And I mean, this I, is a- Sorry, no. As I say, it's it's a it's you speak to them. It's they are wonderful. Like it's a true marriage of skills because he's a film photographer and has been in it for a while, and she's a graphic designer. Um, and he was basically making these films just for himself to play with. Uh, and she was the one who said, "Look, you other people might be interested in this." So you've got that brilliant example where where two people have come together and created this thing but you know i when i first put in my first order with them uh, i think it was in an evening and they emailed me at nine o'clock the next morning being like we've stayed up all night and made them and i was like we don't need that yet it's still two weeks to go but <laughs> <laughs> but thank you i do appreciate it so no they're lovely and, but uh, I think, as I said in a, a comment on some post somewhere, uh, I really hope we're going to start seeing some merch with some of that branding on because I, I, I need I need a T-shirt and a pin with those colours on because it's um, it's bad for the eyes in the best possible well, I mean, way. I was also a bit upset that we, in retrospect, we could have done with it being a couple of weeks earlier just to catch the Pride marches and things like that. Because yeah. Some of those colour emulsions... And the fun and the creativity as well that goes with it would have just had a very natural fit. But never mind, next yeah. year's plan, next year's plan. Yeah, you really dropped the bollock there, Paul. Never mind, there's yes, always exactly. next time. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and so those, that's what's been going on. Can you give us any sneak previews into stuff that might be happening in the near future with product lines? I saw that, you, um, that you've actually, one of the lines has fallen, one of the Brett's lines has gone away, um, but hopefully gone away because the guys at Brett's are working on something new. Yeah, that's right. So, um. Yeah, the good news is we have a a lot of different products and brands that are coming up in the pipeline, um, which is fantastic. And we're just trying to phase them really to make sure that we get we can give people the right support at the right times to help bring it. So yeah, so definitely. So Brett's um, 
They have discontinued one of the two lines. The other one is still doing incredibly well. The contrast, really low ISO, it's fantastic. But the Skyline's gone. But it's gone because they want to focus on trying to make their own 127 film. So the reason we did exactly the reason we did the sale on the 12th of July was no coincidence. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, so that's what they've given themselves. I don't know whether someone gave them this challenge, whether they've just spontaneously taken it upon themselves. But they're off off quietly working that. So we'll we're in touch pretty much daily, and and we'll support them as soon as they're ready. So that's coming up. We've got. Um, uh, street candy coming on in the next couple of weeks mm-hmm. um so the guy behind that has, has managed to do a second run his first did so well he's, he's bringing it back so what happened street candy um silbera are um are coming in imminently as well so we'll look out for that um ferrania we're in a lot of contact with they've had some unbelievable issues i mean i know they promised a lot three years ago when they kickstarted. I know people get upset when things take too long, but you speak to them and what they're having to go through. Like they had, what was it the regional Italian government changed the power laws and just <laughs> shut them down, just shut them down. And they were like, right. <laughs> okay. So they're working through an amazing amount of stuff, but that's coming through. We've got Berger large format is on the store, but there's roll film coming shortly. Trying to get um, Bellamy to send me some Japan Camera Hunter 120. So, yeah, we've got a lot going on just within Roll. So, I mean, we said last time it's 170 films on the store. We're already pushing 180. Um, by the end of the year, if we're not broken 200, I'd be uh, surprised. And that's without um, a couple of things that we're looking to just branch out into. One of them is is Rachel's Analog Adventures. <laughs> Yay! <Woo>! Um, <laughs> We had a chat just before we started recording about making that happen. Um, and then SolarCan as well has sent me a sample that is has been unfortunately sat on the side as we've been dealing with a lot of other things, but is on my mind to get back to. And also things like um, dry plates imported from the US. Uh, someone got in touch with me about that. So we sort of got a whole whole menu of things that we're going to look at and pull in. Um, as always, when we know that we can get it to people in the right way and when we know that it can be packaged in the right way and and that kind of stuff but no it's exciting that's very cool well i suppose we've probably edged around this long enough um there is a reason (laughs) you're both on here it's the summer the sun is shining what are you up to the the pair of you so um yeah so ever since before the launch andy's been a fantastic supporter and and you've heard in the last uh, hour or so how passionate and knowledgeable he is about um about film photography and supporting the community and that that started before we even launched so he got in he was the guy who got in touch with me and and made sure that every uh, you know the first orders from analog wonderland had free kodak film in so that is andy we have to thank for that and we've been having an ongoing conversation ever since and one of the things a few weeks back we were talking about was um you know and i said this last time analog wonderland is all about making uh film photography fun and accessible for everyone and we were talking about as the market not only plateaus but starts to rise a little bit where does the next sort of source of growth come from um, and we're talking about how well you know when do you start how do you start film photography because when you do it as we all know you really enjoy it and you really get into it and that's when you start experimenting but where does it start and it was it always seems to start especially these days with someone teaching you um, either a family or a friend, either it's a, you know, a camera you've inherited or a grandparent who passed it down or 
a friend who's got into it or got a lamography camera and it sort of spreads that way so we're trying to work out how can we do something that is uh appealing to film photographers who already shoot film but also helps spread the love a little bit so we are thrilled to announce that when this goes live on thursday we will be starting a summer holiday photo competition in partnership Kodak Alaris with Analog Wonderland. Um, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Crowd goes Thank wild. You. So the um, I'll, I'll talk a little bit through the details, and then Andy can throw in his perspective, and and um, and, and we'll go from there. And any questions? But basically, there's a couple of strands to this. So rather than just doing uh, sort of a photo competition that's you know still good, at, but but it's been done before. We wanted to elevate it a little bit. So what we've got is we've got two things. We've got a category for beginners, and we're saying that is people who have started shooting film in 2018, so in the last sort of six months. And then we've got a category proficient for people who have been shooting film from before that, and it's a self-diagnosed proficiency. <laughs> we're not going to say Paul. That's the right words uh, to to do. So yeah, so we've got sort of two categories: people who have started literally this year and people who have shot before. And the criteria is you need to submit a photo. Um, there'll be a web uh, a web page on Analog Wonderland um, with an easy form to submit and say shot on Kodak film uh, across the summer holidays, so from this Thursday until the third of September, um, and uh, on the theme of summer holidays. So interpret that how you will. I've obviously followed Cheap Shots Challenge enough to know that the interpretations tend to be. <laughs> More creative than we could ever imagine. My picture will definitely be Cliff Richards on a double-decker bus. We, we will embrace that massively. So Andy is going to be the judge in September. We'll close it on the 3rd of September. Um, or actually, we might give an extra week so people can submit things taken in the very last week. Um, he'll judge the two categories. The winner will get a goodie bag of Kodak film. Um We've had a, a, a long discussion about how we include Ectochrome in that, because obviously we don't know the timings, as we said. So what we've come to is a those winners will also get uh, some of the first rolls of Ectochrome when it comes to the UK, with no commitment on exactly date. <laughs> is that right, Andy? Is that <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that so it will you will be if you win you will be one of the first people to get Ectochrome in the UK whenever that is, and your your goodie bag. And then the other twist we've added is. Um, Going back to that point about teaching, so we've added the beginners category and we've also added it in, and Andy's very kindly uh, contributed to say that anyone who orders from Analog Wonderland across these six weeks, across the summer holidays from Thursday until the 3rd of September, anyone who orders from Analog Wonderland, and that order includes some Kodak film, doesn't matter what type, doesn't matter what format, just some Kodak film, we will throw in, courtesy of Andy and Kodak Alaris, a free roll of Kodak Color Plus um, and the request we're saying to people is, you know what, use this role uh, when you're on your summer holidays to teach someone new about film photography. Let them have a play, lend them one of your many cameras that I'm sure every film photographer has, um, teach them about it, show, show them the results when it comes through. And you know what, they can then submit their photos into the beginners competition and hopefully win even more film. Um, and of course, if you want to keep that film all by yourself and just shoot it, then totally up to you. But we're encouraging, what we're <laughs> hoping to see is that people uh, take the challenge as it's intended, which is just, hey, we all love this hobby. 
uh, it'll get better and more fun the more people that are involved with it. And that this will be the, the future people who then take on new brands and new innovation um, and use that free role to, to teach. So that's it in a nutshell, really. That's very cool. That's that is very cool. cool. Yeah, absolutely. Can yeah. we do another little round of applause for that? Because we weren't entirely sure what it was going to be at the beginning. And I feel like we should actually do a, like a, that's amazing round of applause now. Yeah. <laughs> Yay! Yay! So it's great. And it's, it's, as I say, when, when Andy and I have been talking about this, we, we've not wanted to do something that is just feels a bit just, you know, forced or, or, or just about pushing our brands. It's really got to be given back to the community. And hopefully we've got that right balance. Andy, I don't know whether you want to add anything at this point. Yeah, no, I, I think that was a, a good comprehensive description. And, and certainly what I really like about it is the use of film by hopefully people that are completely new for to, to photography. Um, yeah, it, it brings back memories of when I was a, a child, probably 11, sent off to Swanage on a school trip and presented with a Kodak <laughs> camera by my mum. And you have you had to hold this box, this Kodak brown box around the waist and look for a little sort of window in the top and it would push a button on the other side of the top and it would take a picture out the front and um, yeah and it's I've just got fond memories of, the, of those colour pictures that I captured back <laughs> so many years ago so um, that was my first experience and I think to give anyone something similar would be excellent. I went to Swanage when I was 11 as well with school. Yeah, you might have been there. Maybe. <laughs> so I look in the background of my photos. Maybe, maybe your 11 was in a different year to mine. Uh, possibly, maybe. Possibly. I think people were but shooting that, digital that... by the time Rach was 11. So. <laughs> well, of course, um, can... of, of all of yeah. us, so Rachel's the one who has the a lot of experience of, of bringing people into analog and I'm sure you can comment on how many people are then hooked by it and whether that's the smart way yeah. of getting well this is what I was just going to say actually as somebody who does who does teach workshops in intro to analog and pinhole to pinterest and all of these kinds of let's get people involved and interested in analog in the first place it's just it's just amazing you know they don't they don't pick it up um and and do these workshops and then and then never do it again <laughs> it's always like right what's the next step this is an awesome and it's just yeah i i, I don't think i've found anybody who's who's done that so um i think that sort of speaks to itself really it's just amazing um the inspiration that you can get from that you know initial hook so uh yeah i love it it was um i actually uh i, I won some film on like a little instagram uh, competition or something uh, quite a while ago now and it was a pack of five and it was all expired it was all expired Kodak actually funnily enough and uh, and so I sent those off um, to various people that I knew to say have a have a little go so I was sort of like doing like a little mini version of that if you like um, just you know people who I knew hadn't really shot anything before or shot very little um and uh and was like this would be a really nice way of sort of spreading the love around a little bit so um there you go you know great minds and all that and i'm really pleased oh, wow. to hear that pioneering this way before me and andy cooked it up <laughs> in my own little way um but i'm really pleased to hear that this is uh, something that you know you guys are sorting out on a more formal basis and uh, it'll be lovely to tie that in with the competition i can't wait to see what images you get from that that'll be fabulous no, exactly yeah. and we'll, we'll make it easy for submissions and then people can say on there whether they're happy for us to share back on social media and put it on the website but i'm hoping we get yeah a lot of a lot of interest and engagement and and andy's already shipped as a a good 
amount of colour plus to get us started, but I'm sure we'd both love it if that disappeared and we had to do another round just because it meant that more yeah, people absolutely. had these conversations yeah. with, with family and friends and, and spreading it around. So, yeah. Yeah, I have to. And I mean, you're you're obviously really looking forward to getting the pictures. I I would love to hear if people do get out there and um, share this film with people, int- to use it to introduce people to film uh, and spend time with them. And I'd love to hear the stories because, as you you were saying, Andy, your first role of film has left an indelible memory for you. And um, and I just I love the stories that come around these things. It's my favorite part of doing the Cheap Shots mm-hmm. Challenge is just hearing people's stories about their <laughs> adventures with these half-assed cameras and what's going on. Um, and, and Our that, listeners that... are amazing, aren't they? What they what they do and what they hack and what they come up with. It's just amazing. <laughs> you know and what? what they put up with. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a really good, that's a really good point. So maybe... Um... Yeah, because we're thinking about the final image, but you're right, actually, it's the process as well that's fascinating. And I was, you know, I was, t- I was talking to my three-year-old niece about film photography uh, a few weeks ago. She didn't get all the nuances, but a bit confused with the sunny 16 rule when the clouds came in. But apart from that, she was great. Um, but she was, she was obsessed with it. She loved the fact that there was no screen. Um, and actually, it was a really sweet moment. Rach, you're, you're great at creating hashtags. Um, yeah, that's true. Oh, that's true. What? So what do you, what do you My, think we should we should say to people? So when send in the final photo, but when you're doing it on Instagram and Twitter, what what should the hashtag be so people can share the the teaching? Mm. Putting you on the spot now, sorry. I know, well, knock it in. Why don't you have a think about it, Rach, okay. Chief of Hashtag right. Creators, and uh, we'll we'll come back to that Thanks, at the Paul. end of the show. I think that's yeah. I think that's yeah. Let, let's let's give you a little bit of time. It's like a caption competition on a TV show or something yeah. like that. It's, it's, yeah. it pretty much puts you on the spot. But I think um, just to keep everybody uh, uh, you know uh, interested while Rach is having a think, Graham, you you had uh, well you, you you had a delivery this week. Yeah, I did. So um, last year, back in May last year, both myself and Rachel backed the Jolly Look camera on Kickstarter. Um, For anybody who doesn't know what the Jolly Look camera was and indeed is, it is a fully cardboard uh, camera that shoots Instax mini film. And it is built in the style of one of the old Kodak um, folding bellows cameras from the sort of 1900s, 1920s around then. <laughs> and um it's uh it's taken them a while to do it i think originally when they kickstarted they'd hoped that they'd be delivering on the kickstarter by the end of the following or the end of that summer but um things are never that easy um and they've worked very hard to try and produce something that they're happy with anyway mine arrived today um i got a thing through my letterbox saying oh you have a parcel waiting for us. We want you to give us £13 to collect. He's like, oh, great. I don't even know what this parcel is. And it's already cost me £13. But um, I went and I paid and I got it. And it's... And you, and you got a good five quid's worth of stuff. <laughs> um... <laughs> um, okay, so... Sorry, that was supposed to be facetious. Did I nail it by mistake? <laughs> well, no. Okay, so... I have realistic and had realistic expectations about what I was going to get. So I think my, the Kickstarter cost me £35 to back this, and that included one pack of Instax mini films, so 10 shots. So this is, I, I, I would imagine that when this is available to walk into a shop and buy, assuming it will be at some point somewhere, this is going to be probably a, a £20-25 camera. So you, you have to think in terms of what you're getting for that. Um, and, and it's a cardboard camera with the tolerances that something built out of cardboard can have. Um, 
it took me, I think, five shots before I got an image available visible on my camera. <laughs> I was like, okay. I was reading through the instructions. You got quite a lot of instructions. Um, I I did hit sort of snag straight out the gate. Um, the there's a little handle that you crack turn to um, eject the film, and that was all snagging on the thing. But managed to solve that. And it, as I said, it took me five shots before I was able to get an image on it. Um, and there are things about it which I'm not sure are meant to be quite the way they are. So the shutter is a very simple um, slit shutter. I, I've learned some of these things by listening to the Homemade Camera podcast. It's very helpful. So basically, the, shutter, the way the shutter works is you... Um, pull this thing up um, above the aperture and it's attached by a rubber band. And then when you click the shutter, it just releases it. It flies down very quickly. And there's a small slit in the cardboard that is what allows the exposure through and, and gives it the time. But um, it also exp <laughs> exposes the aperture when you're pulling it up to prime the shutter. Now, I'm not sure if it's supposed to or not, but it's definitely doing that on mine. Um, and so I think, why are these overexposed? And then as I looked at these overexposed pictures more, I realized that they were double exposed because they've been... So once I'd figured that out, I just put my hand in front of the shutter when I um, uh, was cocking the shutter and that made things a lot better. Um, so they are cameras that you kind of need to learn how to play with your own individual camera a bit. Um, that said, it, I got a couple of images out of it, which were pretty good, pretty competent images. Um, and I certainly don't feel like it was a waste of money. I think the general fit and finish is pretty good. Um, mm -hmm. And um, and I'll, I'll share a couple of pictures. One of the things is because it's a bellows camera and because it's made of cardboard, um, there's a lot of flexibility there. The um, the bellows themselves are quite tight, and I as, the, as it's used more, it'll loosen up, but they're quite springy. And because there's nothing anchoring the baseboard in place, you've got a full range of movement there. So obviously, it's a bit like um, tilt and shift on a <laughs> plate camera, except that you've got yeah. no idea how much you're tilting and shifting. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to get some fun effects on it um but you know like i said i will share the pictures that i got from it i think that anybody who gets one my advice would be have a good play with it with the shutter and stuff like that before you put film in in the first place so you can see how your shutter is behaving i know that because there's a, a manual mode which you can use with pinhole which keeps the shutter open you you, you pull the shutter up you click once to sort of put the shutter in place to open it and then you click again to close it but because mine's a bit out of whack the shutter is covering the pinhole when you do that so you'll get no exposure <laughs> whatsoever for doing that so i figured that out and i didn't try doing it so i you know it wasn't a problem but i know that that's not going to work with my camera is, is, um, is this something that you could try just in case anybody else has got one inbound is this something you could try before you put the film in just to, to check out how it works yeah yeah, absolutely. You can you can you know play around with it, look to the back, see what it's doing, and get a feel for it, and and see if there are any little quirks like this um, that are, that might cause hiccups. Um, and I think for people who are going to want to have a play with it and get creative with it, I, th I think there's a lot of fun to be had with it. But you kind of need to go into it not expecting this to be a nice, easy, perfect thing out the gate. You you will need to get to know your camera a bit. 
Um, I'm not sure whether I will put more films through it or not. Um, mm. I really haven't decided yet. Um, what, but, quick, sorry. Actually, great. What, what's yeah. what's the, the quality of the image like? In you know the ones that you've said that you have exposed correctly and managed to get the the shot. I'm just wondering about like the lens on it because it's it's a plastic lens on the cardboard camera, and I was wondering in comparison to something like the Instax mini camera, you know, sort of like plastic toy camera version what kind of thing are you getting um from uh, from this i think it's pretty reasonable actually i think it's pretty okay. reasonable i mean you know in a head to head it might not compare but um the it, you know you can focus quite close on this you know i've took some pictures at, at its closest focus and you you can get reasonably close i think for people who are looking for something that is going to be more unpredictable that is going to you know once you've kind of figured out the exposure because that's the thing that took some time with me it was okay and it, and it was because I, I you know I didn't realize it the first time that it was double exposing so my first few images were just completely white so well why is that okay and after a while I realized oh it's because it's exposing when I crank the shutter it might not do that on every camera I don't know I've asked M to look into it because I know M's got one of these and um, I was also uh, exchanging a few comments with um, Gordon uh, the guy behind Believe in Film um, who as you know again had a bit of a muck around with it um, but no, you know, they're, they're not bad. Um, but of course, the problem is that because the plane of focus is going to be a bit unknown, it's going to be yeah, it's going to be a bit unknown. Um, you know, th- that's going to be a thing to play with. Um, so, yeah, going. I, I think that it's fun. And like I said, they, they come with uh, I think everybody who, who back will have got a pack of Instax film with it. Um, and I think they, they're going to for some people, I think they're going to be a great creative thing. Um, and I'm, I may well um, put another pack through it at some point when I buy some more Instax mini um, or I may remove the Instax uh, ejection thing because the good thing is you can unscrew and remove the the wind up handle and basically pull out the bit that ejects the film and then bodge it onto some other camera <laughs> so that might also happen and it doesn't damage the camera at all you can still put the camera back together fine um but no it's i think they've made a good thing i think you know, you're going to need to get used to using it and maybe some future iterations might get a little bit more refined. But um, yeah, I, I think they achieved what they set out to do. Um, but just go into it with your eyes open um, and mm. be prepared to do some experimenting and, and and have a investigate the shutter and how it's behaving by holding up to light and looking through from behind before you put film in so you know what it's doing so you can it will make it easier to... Um, figure that stuff out otherwise you may find you burn through a lot of sheets of film like I did <laughs> but at least Insects Mini is the cheapest instant film there is um, actually I just wanted to, uh, find, um, I, I wanted to ask Andy because you know one of the biggest problems that all film manufacturers are facing is the fact of cameras not being made um, have you got a take on this at all what are your thoughts on the whole camera um, production side of things at the moment yeah, there aren't too many companies manufacturing cameras. I know Lomo do and Leica do um, in terms of analog cameras. Um, but there are hundreds, thousands, millions of cameras in wardrobes, in boxes under beds. There's there's so many cameras out there. It's, I think the, the, 
the key would be to try and find a new life for the old cameras that, that are in existence. Um, people don't tend to throw those things away. They're, they're still in their houses somewhere. And if we can just encourage people to, to dig them out and, and either use them or hand them on, I think that would be the way to go. So come on, I mean, Kodak are past masters of cheap plastic cameras. Are you seriously telling me you can't bash something out over a weekend? <laughs> <laughs> um, so being careful, yes. Yeah, so um, we could produce something, I'm sure. So if we thought there was a particular market for something, then I, I think that would open up opportunities again. It, it, we'd, it's not something that we haven't looked at and, um, and never say never. Oh, well, it's good to know that you're at least thinking about these things as well ah, um we've got this might be a good place to drop this in actually we've got something this week which we've not had before um we have got a little uh i'm not sure what, what the a, word i'm looking plan. for is now <laughs> no we definitely don't have a plan um we've got uh, a little audio diary um which was sent to us this week and we actually had a couple sent to us this week but um we're only going to do one this week and we'll sort of parcel them out with coming weeks um but should we slot that in now guys do you think that's a good place to do that well given that you've surprised us all with it why don't you yes absolutely i, I told you <laughs> about this earlier he's fine um yes we've got we've got um our good friend eric from uh, conspiracy of cartographers and load film and subdue light is off on his annual travels out to the wilds of america and um he has sent us uh, a first part of an audio diary um of his adventures out there it's very good uh, so i think it's about five minutes long so we'll see what eric's up to and we'll slot this in here hey sunbeams this is eric at conspiracy of cartographers and i'm uh, checking in from the road so each year i take a long photo trip and this year is no different i'm doing 24 days um I'm taking about a dozen cameras with me, 100 or so rolls of film, and about 100 sheets of 4x5. I'm taking the new Intrepid with me, and I'm very excited to use that. So right now, I'm on day three of my trip, but let me catch you up with what I've been doing. So the first day, uh, getting out of Seattle, I drove about 750 miles into the deep, deep heart of Montana. Um, it was mostly driving, so there wasn't a lot to talk about, um, except towards the end decided to take some back roads rather than just interstates and i came across sheep mountain and the way the sunlight was hitting it even though i was running late and had to get to my campsite it was the magic hour and i just had to take a bunch of photos of it while a storm was rolling in and that very same storm hit as i was camping out by the yellowstone river um, beautiful site it's a historical site with with uh, lewis and clark but Still, very, very beautiful place and a lovely night, even with the storm. So the second day, um, normally I would have done a lot of driving because my, my point is to get to Kansas and do a lot of exploring in Kansas. But I wanted to see the Little Bighorn Battlefield. Now, this is the, uh, the battle in 1876 that uh, was against George Armstrong Custard and... and uh, numerous Indian tribes. So Custer, his main purpose was to capture a bunch of women and children and use them to force surrender. Um, he thought there were maybe a hundred or so warriors in the camp, but what he didn't realize was there were actually thousands of Lakota, Cheyenne, etc. Uh, warriors. Um, so the, the odds were not in his favor, and he and all of his men 
were killed. Um, all of them. It, it's a it's a very moving place uh, for both uh, lovers of Custer, if there are such people, and people interested in Native American history. It's a, it's a beautiful place. And, and I wanted to photograph it, but before I photographed it, I wanted to learn as much as I possibly could about it. I think places like this, they require a bit of empathy and a bit of listening. And when you're there, obviously before you go, you can read as much as you like, but while you're there, Listen to the rangers and to the, the, the Native American guides. The Crow Nation has kind of adopted the battlefield, and they do guided tours there. And to hear their point of view is very interesting. The Crow, during the battle, were actually scouts for Custer and, and all of the, um, the, uh, all of the Crow have a, a very interesting perspective on it. And so before I photographed... I wanted to hear all of that so that when I could, when I could photo, when I get a chance to photograph, got the chance to photograph it, I would know the story as, as much as I, as I possibly could. And not every place has a story, but with places like this, you can actually learn about it before you shoot. And I think it, I think it makes for better photos or at least more, a, a more interesting time photographing. Uh, I spent about six hours there and it was one of the more moving experiences I've, I've ever had visiting any place. Um, that night, I camped about two hours away, um, and again, I saw another mountain, lit in, in beautiful light when I pulled in, but as soon as I got there, cloud cover came, and the light went all to hell. I waited for about two hours for light to never, that never came, uh, which is just part of photography. Um, also, part of camping is a, a intense thunderstorm with lightning, hail, wind, and, 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 uh, thunder and all these craziness going on happened so I actually slept in the car which was a horrible thing um, but the next day this day um, it wasn't really about the destination and right now I'm sitting in a sod house uh, in Toadstool Geological Park in Nebraska um, it's, it's like the Painted Hills, but shades of gray rather than all these different colors. Uh, I'm sure at some point they'll make some wonderful black and white photos, but it's too late now for uh, me to, uh, to take anything. The 350 miles that I did today, there were an array of dirt roads and abandoned towns and houses. And, and of course, we can't know the full stories of every single one of these places, but it's not difficult to, to really sort out. This part of America, it's, it's a really hard country to survive in. Uh, if you don't make it big in ranching or in mining, and very few people did, uh, you closed up your, your house, you moved on. The houses all over the place out here are just sitting vacant and rotting in the sun. Uh, I passed scores of these places today, and the whole, the whole time I photographed most of them, as, much, as many as I could. Um, all the while, I was listening to the Carter family and Bruce Springsteen, and so from Montana into Wyoming, into South Dakota, and, and finally uh, into Nebraska. Uh, it was just this bombardment of, of desolation. And yeah, it's like Springsteen's Asbury Park. It's, it's depressing in all the right ways, but it's also just depressing. And so far this trip has been a, a, a sad trip. Um, good trip, but, but sad. And uh, I'm not sure I see that changing, and I, I think I'm okay with that. But 
well, that's that's where I am right now. A uh, good but sad, or at least introspective, trip. Um, I'm not going to say something as absurd as there but for the grace of God go I, but, you know, I guess we could. It, it could always be a little bit worse. So, um, here we are. I'm sure the next time I check in, um, I'll have many more happier stories to share with you, other, you know, than desolation and slaughter of, of, of soldiers. But hey, um, well, until next time, I'm Eric at uh, Conspiracy of Cartographers, and have a great week. Right, and we're back, and I know I say this a lot, but our break is always a lot longer <laughs> than what you experience, dear listeners. Uh, this week, uh, we have spent that time constructively discussing many and varied ideas for hashtags. But before we uh, <laughs> before before we release Rachel's uh, most recent gem of a hashtag, uh, uh, I'd like to just ask Paul for a very quick recap uh, of what this is all about. Absolutely. So it's... Um summer holidays themed photo competition run in partnership between Kodak Alaris and Analog Wonderland. Um, any order with Analog Wonderland that includes at least one Kodak film of any any format or emulsion between this Thursday and, and September the 3rd will get you a free roll of Color Plus 35mm in there. And what we're asking you to do is to use that roll of film when you're out on your summer holidays to teach someone new, family or friend or whatever, um, about film photography and then we will run a competition through the analog uh, wonderland website there'll be a page there where you can submit photos proficient for people who have shot photos film photography since before the start of this year and beginner for people who have started in january and of course anyone who you've taught over summer holidays to take some photos they can of course submit their their photos into the beginner section uh, and you'll be judging uh, and in september people will get a goodie bag from um, of Kodak film, and they will also get the first rolls of Ectochrome when that comes. Although that not might not be quite September. Okay, excellent. Thank you very much. And uh, as as a result, this time of team hard teamwork rather than pure inspiration. But Rach did eventually come up with the <laughs> the, the the chosen hashtag. And Rach, what's that? It, yeah, very much a team effort. Uh, it is hashtag first frame of fun. There we go. Excellent. Hashtag first frame of fun. Brilliant. Uh, well, we'll put some more details in the show notes, including links uh, to where you can find more information. Right. I'm sorry, if I just clarify, just so others I can see it coming, that hashtag won't submit your photo to the competition. That's through the website. But we would all, I think, love to see you, you teaching someone and, and, and using that uh, hashtag there to highlight sort of the process. Sorry. No, there's no need to apologise for that. Um, being specific is definitely the right place to go when you are dangling carrots in front of listeners. So, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I will, uh, as we discussed in the break, I think I might give uh, my free roll of Kodak film from my first order at Analog Wonderland to my six-year-old daughter for our summer holiday um, and see where she gets to it. Uh, she loves Instax, so it's a good time to get her to move to 35 mil, I think. <laughs> Less instant, but um, more shots in a roll. <laughs> anyway, Absolutely. yes. So, uh, right. Well, we're, um, th so uh, coming towards the back end of the show, we have had a good number of emails from listeners uh, this week. Um, uh, 
we'll get to those definitely next week uh but for now actually rach has an announcement to make uh yeah so this is um an email from uh from hillary and uh, she basically got in touch to, to uh, talk us through the information about Roll Film Week. So she sent over a lovely, very detailed um, email to let us know that we're one week away from the next Roll Film Week. And basically, she sent us the information about joining the party. So it all happens online between July the 23rd to the 27th. So she says this week it's about preparing and sharing. So shoot, develop and scan your photos. You can post recent work or vintage photos as long as they're made with 35mm or medium format film. And there's some more details in the rules, which I'll give you now. So she said, if we can invite other film photographers, more fo- uh, more photographers make Roll Film Week more fun, of course. So tell your friends, follow on Instagram, join the Flickr group, and they also have an email newsletter. Uh, you can also request a sticker. Uh, which is always exciting. We like stickers. Um, If you'd like to receive the Roll Film Week sticker in the mail, then you can enter your address uh, into the Google Google form and it's free and they'll send it anywhere in the world, which is pretty lovely, isn't it? So um, on Instagram, they're going to be giving out updates and that they'll share any last minute information via at Roll Film Week on Instagram. So um, next week, it's going to be about posting and connecting. So you can start posting your photos on Monday, July the 23rd. And there's a few guidelines. So I'm just going to belt through these so that you know um, what you do and do not, what you should and shouldn't do (laughs) in order to take part. So um, she said, do post 35mm and medium format images. More obscure types of roll film are also fine. So obviously things like 127 and 616 and that kind of thing. Um, please consider providing camera and film information in your captions. I always think that's really nice to know what it's been shot on and, and exactly what the uh, film information is, of course. Um, she says, do not post large format sheet film photos, instant film photos or digital photos. We love apps like um, Visco 2, but digital simulation of film doesn't count in this on this occasion. So um, Roll Film Week is exclusively for analogue photography. She said, do share images that haven't been posted on Instagram or Flickr before. They don't have to be recent. Uh, Feel free to scan vintage photos or past work. Uh, This one's always a useful um, clause for me (laughs) because um, it's very rare that I actually get a chance to go out and shoot during the week or on the day of uh, the particular uh, sort of um, theme that's going on. So the fact that you're able to use older work is is really useful, I find, um, within this this particular sort of theme. Um, she says, do participate on Instagram and or Flickr. You don't have to post your photos to both places, but it's more fun that way. On Instagram, use the hashtag Roll Film Week. Um, that's the tag that we'll check when we curate daily features. There's no limit on the number of photos you can post, but we recommend around two or three images per day. On Flickr, add your photos to the Roll Film Week group. You can only post two photos per day here. This group is modelled after Polaroid Week and the rules are similar. So they've got some guidelines at the bottom of the group page on Flickr for you to have a look at. And basically at the end she says, discover, follow and support other photographers. The purpose of the week is to celebrate film and to connect with other people who love film photography. Uh, Please take some time to browse the Instagram hashtag and over on the Flickr pool and get to know some other members of the community. So there we go.
it all sounds really wonderful and something you should you guys should definitely get involved with um and uh as like i said before it seems like we're able to use vintage photos past work other bits and pieces that we've got lying around um it might be that it's something i'm actually able to take part in this time which would be really nice if we can um how about you guys anybody else um got any thoughts on what they're going to post for roll film week uh i was actually i was out with my um because it was uh one two seven day last week on the 12th and 7th um uh, and i went out with my brownie race did you get with yours this time (gasps) i didn't I'm ever oh. so sorry. I just, I did not have the time. I'm, I'm so sorry. I feel awful. But anyway, tell us about your experience and what you got up to. Oh no, there's not much to say other than I went out with my little, my new brownie 127 and and shot the roll of film, <laughs> the last roll of film I've got. So I'm very uh, glad to hear that Brett's going to be making some new stuff, and I hope that comes through soon. And um, I haven't developed it yet, but that may well be what I share for roll film week. What was your um, sort of subject matter? I, I went into a nearby town called Farringdon um, because I actually mm-hmm. primarily went out to take some pictures for the Cheap Shots Challenge. I've taken some pictures Ooh. for the Cheap Shots Challenge. Well, yeah. well done. Um, who knows what they'll turn out like because uh, it was me trying to figure out how to use Ilford SFX film and a red filter. And um, it's amazing actually how much that filter knocks off. I had to take, it was a really bright sunny day and I had to take a tripod with me because it was dropping it down to eight seconds. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah, so we'll see. I have no idea what they'll come out with, come out <laughs> like. But um, it was fun to get out there, and I just wandered around the town. And uh, they're not going to be particularly inspiring pictures, but it was just quite nice to be wandering around with the camera, um, looking weird <laughs> to the locals, um, which I'm 100 percent sure I did. Cause that, I that's had... quite a trick in your part of the world. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. That's very true. The benchmark is set pretty high for weird. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, Okay, I have absolutely no idea what I'm going to post for Roll Film Week. Um, so I will have to, I suspect I will be as well, Rach, dig, digging into the recent mm-hmm. archives uh, to, to, to see what happened. I might go with uh, might go with a roll of uh, 120 that I, I shot recently in my Bronica, um, which, if I recall correctly, was, uh, was Portra. So... Um, yeah, always, uh, always like the portrait in my in my Bronica works. It works well as a pairing, I find. Okay, uh, well, I think that uh, well, we've had a bit of an update there for the che- on the cheap shots challenge. At least our activity on it. Um, Graham, can you remind everybody when the date for submissions is? Yes, the date is the 11th of August, um, which is the Saturday, so end of play on Saturday, wherever that is for you. Um, we're getting some really good submissions in, quite a few coming. I think this is probably going to be uh, the biggest round so far, so I'm very excited about that. And I can actually announce who our judge for this uh, round oh, of really? the Cheap Shots Challenge. Yeah, I can. This is a world first. We right. never is normally it, is this another it per- until yeah. the day. <laughs> is this another person that will prefer my photos or Rach's to yours? <laughs> Probably, probably. I already have concerns over his judgment and abilities to make, you know, make sound choices. But um, we will have joining us uh, from the States, Johnny Sisson, who, for people who listen to the Classic Lenses podcast, will already be familiar with him. Um, he's an incredibly knowledgeable chap. Uh, he shoots all sorts of analog stuff. He works in, I can't remember the camera shop he works in, but he works in a cool camera shop. Um, and uh, we will hear all about it. And uh, yeah, I think it's 
going to be great having Johnny on um, and we'll be able to explain to him, Rach, why M42 mount cameras are really good and he's wrong for saying that they aren't. <laughs> is that the reason? Is that the real reason you invited him on the show? <laughs> yeah, basically, I just needed to clear up where he's going wrong in life. <laughs> Okay, okay. So before we before we get insulting, not just listeners but other podcast hosts as well, uh, should we close the show? I think we're done, aren't we? I think we are very much done. And what a show it's been! It's nice to us be breaking breaking the breaking news on here. Well, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, just quickly before we go, a uh, quick shout out to friend of the show Andrew Bartram. Um, when we put uh, the Hasselblad versus Fuji Instax segment from the Future of Photography into last week's show, uh, I think I think that gave Andrew a, a, a wobbly lip moment. He said he tweeted me saying, "Oh, you've got some digital stuff in here. I think I'm going to need to turn off." But thank you, Andrew, for persevering with the show last week, and I hope all the other <laughs> listeners in, in, enjoyed that as well. Uh, so yeah, that takes us to the end. So uh, well, Andy, um, thank you ever so much for coming on the show. Have you enjoyed it? Yeah, absolutely. It's been a, a complete pleasure. No, thank you. And uh, we always like to give our listeners uh, an opportunity to point, sorry, our guests, a li- an opportunity to point our listeners in the direction of their product or service or whatever. I'm guessing because you work for one of the biggest brands in the world. <laughs> There's probably a Kodak website somewhere. <laughs> yes, yeah. So KodakAlaris.com is always a good place to start. But um, but I think look towards Analog Wonderland and uh, and buy some Kodak film from there and get involved in our competition. That'd be great. That'd be great. Thank thank you very much. And uh, Paul, good to have you on the show again. Uh, have you enjoyed yourself? Well, there's been ups and downs. But... <laughs> 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 okay, you're totally getting used to this, aren't you? No, it's been lovely. As always, it's been lovely. Okay. You realise um, you're not going to be allowed back on again unless you have George Eastman with you. <laughs> that could be tricky. <laughs> Yeah. I'm so pleased that we actually got to chat this time, Paul, because obviously we didn't last time. So, uh, so oh, that's good. Much better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you go away with a free hashtag. So, you know, <laughs> I am value for money. Maybe that's the next thing. Okay. All right. That really does bring us to the end of the show. Uh, as always, listeners, you can get in touch with us over the internet. Uh, it's a marvelous thing. Um, you can uh, email us sunny16podcast at gmail.com. And as I said, we'll be catching up on some listener emails next week. Uh, of course, you could always go find us on our website, sunny16podcast.com, uh, and all the usual social media uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, etc., etc., etc. Uh, our music, which we're just about to play you out by, is not Kodachrome by Paul Simon. <laughs> Although much thought was given to whether or not we could get away with that. Um, it is, of course. Um, <laughs> uh, and we decided to use people who you don't have to pay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is definitely the way we decided. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, dear listeners, you will be thrilled, as always, to listen to uh, Rachel's band Rocker uh, play us out um, with a song from their album, Promises I Should Have Kept, which you can find on Spotify, Amazon or iTunes. Um, that's about it. It has been an honour and a privilege to talk to you all, as always, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.